Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pick Apart. I am so excited to be here today. My name is Matthew Klein. I'm the author of Twisting, and I am joined today with two of the fabulous foursome of stars, uh, Lynn Faven and Bridget Cosgrove. Lynn, Bridget, how are you both today? Uh, 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 I'm great. <laughs> that was a trick. We're all doing this over Zoom, and so by saying both names, I put them on the hot seat as to who is going to go first. Bridget, uh, you go first. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. Yeah. No, it's I'm good. It's a great day. <laughs> Lynn, how are you? I I'm good. I am mildly damp from my shower and from just New York City. <laughs> it's it's muggy. Yeah. I think we're all slightly damp from yeah. <laughs> for that dreaded word moist. Like I'm No, like, that's what no. I was trying to avoid. We're not allowed to say that word? Never. No? <laughs> moist is canceled. Oh, did it? Okay. <laughs> Shoot. I never got the memo. I'm gonna blame Josh because when he yeah. died, blame God. Yeah. So, and he is our sound god. So Agreed. Well, thank you very much for joining me. So here on Pick Apart, we like to, as they say, pick apart the latest uh, episode that's come out for April's The Cruelest Month, which is uh, the terrifyingly tantalizing uh, twisted tale of twisting. So uh, to sort of jump right in, you know, we're kind of going to go through a, a few different aspects of here. But what were sort of your first reactions upon reading this script because it's it's working to combine a few different sort of tropes a sort of alternate history horror um social commentary so lynn what was your first reactions as you were reading through and getting to know your character i uh, it was holy shit what genre is this <laughs> um it was a lot of like you know it's there there's comedy there's there's an element of horror fantasy sci-fi so it was a lot of me being like where do i because when i read a script i like to visualize it in my head and you know like you know you, when you start reading the writing and how the characters are written the physical images of the world start to build in your mind. And this one, I was like, what is going on? Because we have characters from all over the world in a very, you know, small town in a very strange time with a natural disaster. So there was a lot of, like, me trying to put an, an epic into my tiny brain. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I'm, I'm quite smart. Um, yeah. Great, great, fabulous performance. It worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bridget, what about you? Was there a similar epicness, epicality, epic sentiment? I don't know the the proper translation <laughs> for for this verb. But... An epic esque sort of feeling. Oh, sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it it was very sort of uh, it was really interesting, especially the first read. Because um, I was sent the script and they were like, oh, yeah, this is your part. It's going to be great. And I was I was reading it in the beginning and I was like, oh, it, it's going to be about this. It's about, you know, prejudice and how that is a thing. And I'm the good guy. My character's the good guy. I'm the I'm the one who knows what's up. And then it was like, oh, no, it's about uh, vampires, actually. And I was like, oh, sick. Oh, my gosh. Allegory. Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. So now it's like horror and stuff. And then it's like also Twister and Double Twist you're a bad guy. And it was it was lovely to go from feeling sort of, I, I don't want to say like morally superior or something like that, but like feeling like, oh, I'm the good guy of the piece. Like, this is good. And then really realizing that, in fact, 
like you can hide a lot of villainy within those feelings of like oh but but she's the good guy and it was it was just it was super fun to like um get to explore all of the characters because like like Lynn said, they're like from all over the world and there's like all these accents happening and all this beautiful like character work that came from everybody. And yeah, it just like, especially during quarantine, I missed that a lot. And like, so now it was like, I'm in quarantine, but it doesn't feel like I'm in quarantine because I'm working on something uh, interesting and exciting and yeah, twisty. <laughs> So uh, real quick, let's let's catch people up just in case uh, folks are accidentally listening to this episode before <laughs> the actual episode. Oh no, never mind. Don't hear anything no, 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 about me. Fine, I'm the fine. great guy. I'm the good oh, no. guy. We'll, we'll give we'll give spoilers. yeah spoilers. Spoilers, <laughs> sorry. But, but can you sort of can you uh, just sort of go and say you know who you played and and can you give me sort of the you know a quick little description of how you see this character, how you would describe him to somebody? So, uh, Lynn, let's start with you. Ah, well, I play by Tonya, Tanya, um, and I just know, I just, I feel of, I feel like she's kind of, she's, she has a little bit of fight in her, and she's feisty, she's mature, and also I think she, out of all the characters, is the one that's trying to, like, be like, all right, guys, let's all, let's all figure this out, maybe not with guns, maybe that, maybe that'd be a good idea, you know? A peacemaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's an interesting combination of being very young in terms of how one appears and having years and years and years and years and years of experience behind her. Yes, because Tanya is, in fact, a vampire. Yeah. Um, and has been around for much, much longer than you. Well, I just I just got the sense, Lynn, that you were an old soul. Yeah, there's always like an interesting dichotomy too when, you know, the character and the voice of the character is younger than the years of experience that they have. Now, have you ever had to sort of tackle sort of that sort of a role? Have you ever played a vampire anywhere? No. <laughs> I have played many things on Robot Chicken. A vampire is not one of them. <laughs> well, now you can check that off the list. And you can go yeah. back and be like, Seth, Seth, I got this. I got, I got you guys. I got you guys. Vampire, Long Island accent, you know, scratch it off my bucket list. <laughs> I'm good. All right. And Bridget, tell us a little bit about uh, your character. Oh, sure. Um, I'm playing Emma, and it's uh, very interesting, uh, like what you're saying, Lynn, it was how it's like a young face and a young voice, but with lots and lots of experience. Mm -hmm. I think Emma is a very young person who has little to no experience. So the, like, getting to play somebody who thinks they know what is going on and thinks that they're in charge of a situation and to have it very suddenly switch to, oh no, you you don't know what's going on and you created this terrible situation. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> and also like, it was nice to um, find that sort of like primal selfishness almost that mm -hmm. like, I don't wanna be like the young people today are so selfish, but like, you know, when you're like 21, you, ha you have no idea what's going on. All you can think about is what's happening to you in this moment. And so it was really nice to sort of have a character who thinks a lot, but thinks in the wrong direction, almost, if that makes any sense. Not according to her, it's not. But what <laughs> it end up being? 
no, and what's what's really fascinating is you you know in in working on this episode, definitely seeing sort of Tanya and Emma as these like parallels, right? Like to your point, Bridget, both are you know young in appearance, but one arguably is a very vastly different amount of life experience mm -hmm. uh, to her and Tanya versus Bridget, who really does think with a true like 21 year old trapped in small town Alabama sort of brain. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have these two mother figures in, in Harper and Cecily who are very different relationships in this sort of mother daughter phase in there. Um, and that actually sort of, you know, to, to bring a little bit back to, to Lynn, you know, you brought up a point to when you were reading is like, oh, this is a little bit about prejudice, right? And, and this piece certainly touches on that. I wonder too, if you could speak a little bit more to that and sort of how do you see perhaps an idea of sort of this, not just prejudice, but also classism between Emma and Tanya? Oh, I think that was actually Bridget who brought up the prejudice aspect. So I'm going to pass it back to her. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Take it. I hit you the ball. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, I got a ball. No. Um, I, <laughs> it was uh, a good catch. You all can't see it, but it was a great it catch. Was a stellar catch. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> it didn't catch. I didn't catch. It's okay. I'm an actor, not an athlete, but, um, <laughs> or good at hand-eye coordination. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it was, it was very interesting because, um, Emma has that sort of prejudice that is a little bit more insidious as opposed to Harper's prejudice. Like Harper, her mom is much more like, oh, these, these people, these kind of people. And Emma, like, says in the script, like, no, mom, like, they're people. And yet, when push comes to shove, Emma doesn't think that they're actually people and acts as though they are, like, the scary animals that Harper said that they are. And it was a very interesting sort of... Um, twist to play as an actor because it's it's basically asking to play in incredibly deep seated prejudice where it's not on the surface it's not you know those people who are screaming in a walmart like it's deep deep prejudice that when but i i guess that's sorry i kind of lost my train of thought but like when yeah. push comes to shove it surfaces in a really right. kind of terrifying and very, very dangerous way. It's almost a more um, aggressive, sure, animalistic prejudice as opposed to because it's so um, deep rooted and it's and it's you know on some level you wonder like how aware she actually is of this prejudice, right? You know, it's um, you know some people wear their prejudices very, very publicly and very much on the on on their sleeve, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then others, it pops up when you least expect it to. And sometimes it surprises them, and sometimes it really doesn't. Um, um actually, can I? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I actually wanted to ask you a question. If I'm okay. allowed, am I allowed to turn the tails? But it's on the same topic. Um, so you know, my character at some point references in the past, you know, the different experiences that she has versus what Cecily experiences and their different attitude towards it. And I was wondering if you could tell the readers about, you know, their two different attitudes um, on being on the receiving end of prejudice, because I, yeah. 
Yeah, no. So I, you know, it's looking, looking at this as sort of a, um, sort of a, in, in some ways, a generational clash between Cecily and Tanya, even though they are, you know, both very old characters, there's a little bit of age difference between them and, and some life expected some life experience differences. And so for me, I always saw Tanya as a little bit more hopeful. You know, she was a little bit more optimistic to the idea of change, of progression, of, you know, she's willing to stand her ground and set boundaries as she does in that first scene, um, you know, where she gives Harper that warning, you know, don't treat me like I'm 21, like I'm or less than. Um, But at the same time, she's also somewhat hopeful for for coexistence and and for more rights for vampires and, and downtrodden, whereas uh, ooh, Cecily really not. Um, <laughs> Cecily is a very more like I've seen the worst of human experience, and instead of feeling like we can overcome, I just am only worried about survival. Um, I'm worried about my kind. I'm worried about survival. I don't care that I'm the outsider. I just want everything that I possibly can out of this. And so it's a little bit more practical in that approach, I think, um, and sort of where that goes. So that's sort of the, the difference for me is sort of, you know, they both endured their hardships, um, but one one is still willing to look at the macro in, in, uh, in Tanya, and the other is like, I don't care about the macro. I only care about me. I care about the person I am here. I care about my daughter. I care about the life we have. Yeah. And sees it more on that personal day-to-day sort of scales. And I feel like I see that a lot in like modern culture where you see a lot of, you know, self-segregation too. Um, I went to, I went to, I was working a prom recently and it was really interesting to see that high school cliques and, you know, racial divides are still, you know, it's 2021 and it was, you know, it was wonderful to see, you know, there were, there were people with all different forms of self-expression. It was for an art school and, I'm not sure if I'm like legally allowed to talk about this stuff, but one of the interesting things was there were still um, very clear class and race groups within this giant, you know, it's kind of like a microcosm of society. So, totally. yeah. Yeah, totally. And and I've I mean, high school can be like that, right? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, just the and worst. I guess that makes some um, I guess that makes my character a little more progressive is that openness to yeah. change. Um, whereas, you know, some people kind of emotionally like I guess they're more stuck in their ways, too. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I think that's a, a wonderful word to describe her, that openness. You know, she is a very open character. She's not she's not naive, but she's open. And I think that's a really important distinction. I thought you did a great job of really bringing to her, Lynn. Is, you know, I mean, I haven't heard the final record, so I'm going to take your word on that. <laughs> oh, Yay! Wow. I haven't heard yet. Really excited. Really I, I want to hear. <laughs> I'm so it, came out, it came out tremendous from the music, <laughs> to the room tones, to the, the way the dialogues cut together. Uh, our sound god, Josh. Uh, sound god, Josh. <laughs> Praise him. Praise him. Um, <laughs> and don't worry, he is listening in, which is why we must speak very well of him as well. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. So, yes, we are recording this for, for everyone's you know reference uh, the day before the episode is actually going to be released. So we are going to hear a lot more. Um, so to that end, so let's talk a little bit about to the 
sort of the use of kind of fantasy and horror when using those as sort of lenses through uh, through social issues, but also sort of alternate history sort of things as this is. Do do either of you have sort of like a favorite, you know, like horror fantasy sort of alternate history or social analog, Bridget? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I really loved The Man in the High Castle. Cool. Uh, my friend, I, I started watching it because my friend is on it. And uh, I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to watch for Meg. And then I was just like totally sucked into it because I was just like, wow, like this shit could have broke bad. And mm-hmm. like, I think taking, I, I think taking a look at alternate history, um, but especially putting it in the lens of like sort of a fantasy thing. Um, oh, sorry. Astoria um but um, right <laughs> I know it's I I have soundproofed this apartment and yet still the cars are just like hey how about no muffler ah! <laughs> um but they're not they're not overcompensating for it and no not no, at all no. not at all just they, yeah they don't they don't see us you know our looks of derision but um <laughs> especially putting it in a fantasy context I think sort of opens up the conversation conversation a lot more mm-hmm. especially to people who don't know that they have sort of more deep-seated prejudices and if you bring them up they get very defensive about it like i i know i've been in some conversations with friends where i was just like you shouldn't say you shouldn't say that anymore that's not a joke mm-hmm. at all and they're like oh uh, uh, and it's just like no 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 like don't that's that's not a joke and so putting that sort of like thing of like that's not a joke you can't say that anymore into a fantasy context i think Mm -hmm. allows people to sort of actually see the allegory much better as opposed to just like confront and of course we should confront it head on because it's Mm -hmm. stupid and ridiculous and you know prejudice is prejudice and should be stopped but i think it's a very interesting way to get more people who might not even know that they have those prejudices to start thinking about those prejudices and actually encouraging them to like act on it and like fix the problem please like because we're in 2021 and we need to fix this damn problem so yeah i think i think using fantasy and alternate reality as an as a way to represent problems right now is a really fun it's fun and interesting way to get people to start thinking about the broader problem without Mm -hmm. feeling like i don't know preached at or attacked or yeah yeah no i think you're i think you're right on it's it's a question of sort of how do you have the conversation how do you approach the conversation in a way where you can get someone else to listen rather than just instantly be entrenched Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's a challenge yeah. Well, Liam, what about you now? Turning it over to uh, you. Well, like alternate history or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was going to, when you said alternate history or fantasy, I was going to say I liked True Blood because it had a lot of man bud. But mm-hmm. like, but then Bridget comes out here with this deep, thoughtful response. <laughs> and now I have to rethink everything. No. Um, Let's be very clear. Alexander Skarsgård's man bud. It was amazing. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to say pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I actually, I don't, I don't watch it. 
Sorry, what were you saying? This definitely has some of those true blood influences in there. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I am. I don't watch a ton of alternate reality. I do love watching me a good like The Crown, etc. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just that when you talk about like prejudice, that's just something that I look for, like just in TV in general, just in casting and stuff. So I, I just that's where my brain lies. Less so in like how is it represented um, in the stories of TV and film. But for me, my major concern being you know a, a Korean American actress is you know how is that represented like within the actual industry. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've I, I've always just had like a different focus on that, and also because. There are very few stories out there. I mean, they're starting to be written now about like our our experiences. Um, right. So yeah, that's just something that I, that's where my brain lies. No, that's very fair. That's yeah. very, very fair. Uh, and it's a huge discussion that's going on in the arts and yeah. continuing to, and on some levels needs to ramp back up again. Yes, uh, please. <laughs> like, uh, No, so, so we talked a little bit about, you know, opening these things up and and having these sort of discussions through here, you know, honestly, when I, when I was working on this, I was having a super hard time with this script because when we, to to give a little bit of backstory, when we're creating the the content for April's the cruelest month, the only thing we start with is the natural disaster. We actually, we have no idea that is the prompt. The prompt is what is the, the horrific, crazy event um, in history that we're going to tell a story through. So for this one, I, I had this feeling of a family in a house, but I had no idea who that family was. And I had no idea. And I wrote probably about two or three drafts that I just completely threw out. And then I finally just threw up my hands and said, vampires, everything's better with vampires. So <laughs> let's, just, let's just go there. And I thought about like, yeah, no, I like True Blood. Maybe I can, you know, rip them off a little bit. So, so looking at that, I, I was reading a lot of stories at the time, I think, as, as we all were, about, you know, the racial injustice going on in the country. Um, and just sort of looking at that, and I thought, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to help a conversation along in some way, shape, or form. And in thinking about the power of fantasy and the power of horror um, as these really wonderful sort of lenses into very universally... Um, recognize truths about ourselves and issues that we deal with, I thought, no, okay, it's not just vampires. It's vampires who are part of this country in a way that maybe you don't always see a ton of. Um, they're not just on the outset over here, but they're treated as second-class citizens in a way, if, if that. So that was sort of where the, the genesis of this whole thing sort of came through. And then, uh, and then the table read was great because then I really got to play with the accents, which was so much fun <laughs> love so an accent fun. the accents were great and and it all came down to i because I, we had that first table read and all of them were written as sort of these these southerners this sort of alabama twang and then lynn you and heidi and we all talked about sort of like what accent makes sense for these characters and it was stressful <laughs> but it was kind of fun too you know really because I, I really appreciate that you and Heidi both gave me such very different examples to go from because it also created to what you both were saying a little bit earlier, sort of the worldliness of these characters, right? To give that sense 
of these two people in in Tanya and Cecily who have sort of lived all over the world and then found their way to Alabama of all places <laughs> um, and and came in there. So what was it like sort of doing that sort of, you know, doing the accent and sort of exploring that sense of other that the accent brings to the surrounding? Uh, well, um, I'm very, I'm very flattered that you said we gave you a ton of options because the other actress <laughs> did. And I was like, I can do like two. So <laughs> good on you for being able to write one of the two accents I can do, which is weird being a voice actor. But um, yeah, so it was, it was nice to break out. It was nice to break out the, uh, the, the, the Long Island, New York little bit. Um, I, I grew up with, uh, you know, my, my very, very, very Jewish grandmother, you know, just being like, oh, such a doll. we love you so much. And it was nice to like, be able to, to channel that and to give a little nod to uh, my culture. Um, but it was also, it was just a lot of fun to be in the booth with uh, Kelly when we were doing, <laughs> when we were recording and getting the direction and just being like, okay, 17 years old, Long Island, vampire, now do it with more or less enthusiasm. It was just like fun playing with those building blocks because normally it's much, it's normally it's much simpler. So it was, it's, it's kind of fun to stretch that creative side Mm -hmm. um in a lot of ways yeah now bridget how about how about in terms of you with with the accent there how often do you get to break out a southern for this sort of thing uh not very often it's it's kind of funny i do a lot of D, &D streams where i play uh two different southern characters but i'm like a good old pennsylvania yankee so like i don't most of the time i don't i i I just kind of do like a broad Southern. Um, so it was really cool to kind of get to pick a specific region of a specific state and be able to um, like explore those, that accent a little bit more. It feels, I love doing accents. I like building like how accents are. Um, Kelly was very, very helpful on this. There was a lot of like, well, it's not like, ah, it's like oh and i'm like oh okay all right yeah aw. and like <laughs> so it was lovely it was it was really fun to like learn how to build off of an accent to make it more specific and regional um but yeah, yeah i tried to i tried to give you both a couple cues here and there like i, I looked up like, they were good cues they were good cues, were great cues you, yeah. you took off all the g's which is great. Uh -huh. it's, it's, it is super helpful. Not a G in sight. It, it actually is something that, like, the, the way that the brain links to your eyeballs, um, it is infinitely easier when the writer is writing in the dialect so that I'm not, I'm not like, uh, translating in my own brain. Because at, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of is like speaking a foreign language adjacent sort of thing because you're, you're taking words and then you are reformatting them in a different way. Um, and it just makes it so much easier when you're in in the booth to let go when it's already written the way the character would speak. So sure, it, and, really and I imagine it's it's a it allows you to do slightly different work, right? So you're not just yeah. trying to, as you say, translate as you're going. Yeah. You can also focus more on the inflection. You can focus on the intention of the line yeah. more. Hopefully and it's, it yeah. you up. 
Yeah, and it's like it's always nice when the the writer gives you cues to what your character is like through text and punctuation. It's really nice. Yeah, <laughs> you no don't one, always get it. <laughs> no one ever talks about punctuation, but like punctuation a, is super everything. Shakespeare did it. Everything. That's the, yeah. that's exactly. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. You respect the comma. Yeah, it's always you. You pause yeah. for that comma because yeah. it could mean it could mean the the difference between life and death. That comma <laughs> to be or not to be. It's yeah, just there. no, I, you're I, not I, to be. He just I, William Shatner did. Uh, <laughs> that's what you sounded like. Yeah, that's what Shakespeare uh, wrote for. He's just being truthful to the text. In the same <laughs> twisting, uh, twisting er ish. Uh, we will bring you back, Bridget, and just we will have you William Shatner. <laughs> The whole uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> I'll work no, out. It. It'll be good. It'll be the next one. No, and it was really, it was really fun to 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 research sort of those cues and some colloquialisms and try and write it in. Because I, I'm with you. I've I've seen a lot of scripts when I would train as an actor a little bit, and yeah. it's not there at all. It's written like in the table of contents. This is where they're from, you know, in the character sheet. But it will never actually reflect it in the script, and I always thought that was absolute madness. I don't understand it. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and the other co cool thing is, especially being that this is sort of an audio drama, to have the different accents, there's a different lyricism to all of them, right? So you really get to. I, I'm, I'm being nice about a Long Island accent, Lynn. You don't have to laugh at me. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but there's there's a different sort of musicality to to every accent in here, which. I'm really excited when you hear it all put together with the background music that's on there and, and everything that goes into it. I think it really added a whole lot more than if they were all just Southerners. You know, I really think it, it adds a whole different layer and a different rhythm to what the, the listeners get to experience. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it right now. Pause where we are. Don't know why you're still listening. Yeah, don't listen to the rest of this. Go now. Stop. And don't come back. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and welcome back. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, so here's here's the question. So you talk a, about another sort of trope in there, Bridget, to touch on, um, sort of with characters who we think are going to be sort of the the heroes, heroines, what have you, of the piece, and then are revealed to have maybe a different role depending on where you're coming from. There. Yeah. Um, so what are some favorite examples for you of that sort of switch up of, of playing with those expectations? Any medium, doesn't matter. Ooh, any medium. Um, well, like, well, we were talking about Shakespeare and like I said, I'm the biggest Shakespeare nerd. Sure. Um, and one of the most fascinating, the, the, the two really fascinating characters uh, for me are Iago and Othello and Edmund of Gloucester, a.k.a. Mm. Edmund the Bastard, in, uh, in King Lear. Um, because both of those people um, pretty much tell you from the beginning, hey, I'm the bad guy. But mm. they're also the people that the two main characters trust so much and implicitly so for things for for reasons that they didn't earn and they don't deserve um iago is literally like i'm white trust me and like he's the worst <laughs> he's the worst he kills everybody he's responsible for every single death and we're happy when he gets run through with a sword but like it is it, it's very interesting because even like um 
Oh goodness, what's the what's the name of that movie with Neil Patrick Harris? Uh, it's like Miss, Mr. Hammerhead or something, uh, or Doctor 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 Horrible. Yeah, Doctor Horrible sing along, um, where you know Nathan Fillion is this. I'm the hero guy, and really he's the worst. And it's just playing with the perception of other characters in the piece where it's like, no, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, until you realize that actually they're the ones who are causing all of the problems. And it's it's such a, a different kind of villain to play because, and I, I think in this piece, Emma doesn't even know that she's the villain. I think Emma does think she's, I, I'm, I'm worldly and I want to get out of, you know, my rural Alabama town. I don't think the way that these people think I'm better than these people. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out actually she is more willing to do really terrible things that Harper probably wouldn't do. Harper talks a big, big game and talks really nastily about these people. But when push comes to shove, she trusts them and trusts that you know the actions that they do will keep her safe um because she does i guess in the end sort of see them as people whereas emma Mm -hmm. is like well if you get in my way then i'm going to you know not to spoil anything but there's there's some spoilers this is full spoilers okay great 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 (laughs) I, i did the first spoiler and my whole brain was like don't say another word but um <laughs> have like a warning we'll put sirens or something so yeah spoiler warning look to out look out You're you should still to listen to the piece this all ends a bloody bloody gruesome end yeah. bloody terrible gruesome and th- and that's the thing it's like uh, my character ends up shooting tanya in the face Spoilers. <laughs> simply yeah and that, that's the thing we warning warning <laughs> but like uh yeah, like it, she ends up shooting Tanya in the face the second that Tanya threatens <laughs> her position. And right. and that's the thing. It's like it it is I don't think a villain the truer the truest villain is not the most ad, ad, um not adverse, uh not obtuse. Oh no. Avert. Uh, avert. That's what it is. Obvious. Yeah. Obvious avert. Obvious, like yeah. yeah, they're they're not the people that are the people screaming in the Walmart. They're the people who are willing and able to follow through on the worst possible action the second that even a modicum of threat is brought to them. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what does it... So first of all, what does it say about our society that in in most stories, it's like the character who's like, hey guys, can't we all just get along as the one that gets like hurt first? Like what is, mm-hmm. what are, why, <laughs> why? No, no, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a really fascinating thing to look at because you see it in a ton of stories, but it's generally yeah. the character who, yeah, you're right, is willing to be like, no, I want to see the good in people. Yeah. And Always the one. Out. I uh, mean, yeah. <laughs> That's the entire shtick, right? Every yes, hero dies. I mean, I'm, I'm sh- definitely sure some part of me as a child was like, oh, don't be good to people, because if you do, they'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting point, though, too, because what does it teach you? It sort of teaches you that that message is sort of like, all right, I'm going to think great things about the world. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Terrible idea. Um, and the thing, and then, but then they always try and like, at the end, it's like, 
well, there's a sliver of hope that maybe one person will have. Like, sure, but how many yeah. people have to die to get to your sliver of hope? Exactly. Um, if, if the world was just okay to begin with, gosh. Yeah. And the, willing to listen. Yeah. Awesome. Um, oh, I just want to say one thing too. It's like when you were saying it's not the it's not the people who are openly like rah, 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 who are the true villains. Um, yeah, there's a there's a type that I love to play in shows, which I call the entertaining power bitch. Um, and it's just like the character. It's the it's it's the people who are the most like look at me, I'm bad. You know, it's like those people are actually, it comes this this bravado of this like, I am evil, I'll fucking kill, whatever, whatever it yeah. is. Or like the the men who are all like, you know, swagger and guns and stuff. Like, like all these characters, they come from a point of very kind of deep insecurity. And oh. and it's, it's, it's all this bravado, um, you know, and I know, I know in particular, I'm just thinking of like uh, somebody I used to know who was always saying like, oh yeah, I'm such an asshole. But in, at the end of the day, it was actually just a cover up for like this deep sure. insecurity. And you're right, like the people that you have to watch out for are the people who are kind of not self-aware. And that can be the scariest thing. Like, you know, when you when you look back on, I don't know, interviews with with bad guys, whether they're they're serial killers or world leaders or stuff like that, they they don't have this third point of view that everyone else can see and be like oh this is not good because because they ha they lack that sort of self-awareness mm -hmm. um and i think that when when someone is this like eh, entertaining power ambition like relishing in their villainy you know there's like iago i mean yeah a lot of his his stuff openly comes from a point of jealousy that he is you know yeah yeah and no i mean as you know as as someone who's jewish right i have mm -hmm. I've seen anti-Semitism. I've experienced some anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. And to me, the scary person is not the neo-Nazi with a swastika tattoo on his head. I mean, don't get me wrong. Depending on his size, he's a little scary. Yeah. But at least I can spot him a mile away, and I know how to deal with that. He's it's labeled. More, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, as long as they label themselves. I know how to confront that. It's the mm -hmm. person who, you know, I'm having, you know, Zoom hang with that I've known for 10 years and suddenly remarks on my big nose, you know, yeah. and makes a joke about it. That's like, hmm, didn't see that coming, don't know how to deal with the situation, and I bet you don't even realize you've crossed the line. Mm -hmm. You think we're just playing around or something and just joshing each other. So it's, it is fascinating to see those, and without the self-awareness, you know, it's, it's a harder problem to deal with, quite mm -hmm. frankly, because you have to, first off, become aware you have to be willing to accept what you're now aware of and then you've got to be willing to actually address it and actively sort of change that it's a yeah. much deeper and involving process than simply being like oh yeah i know i'm evil uh and yeah. then going from there it's a whole different issue to to your point Lynn. yeah it's the easy way out like it's it's a lot of the time like i i don't really come across much prejudice which is very nice i'm just sort of like an irish you know cis heterosexual woman but it, a lot of the like you know women run into this all the time so i know we're we're gonna be approaching time in a few minutes and that's all my fault because honestly if i had my druthers we could just sit here for another like two hours and, and go into this line <laughs> by line even mm -hmm. um but uh you know off air 
the wonderfully talented uh, Kelly Monroe Johnston, who is the director and is the showrunner for uh, April of the Cruel's Month, made a, a really wonderful point um, that I don't know that I really accepted until this very second, which is that you can make the argument that all four characters in these in this piece view themselves as right in their convictions and in their opinions, while at the same time, all of them are monsters in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just curious where where you both sort of fell on that. Lynn, let's start with you. Um, well, my character is not a monster, so all y'all can suck it. <laughs> the one civilized person in yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. Well, I, I would rather pass this one over to Bridget because she can really talk about that that side of the world. And, you know, I, I do feel like my character is kind of just kind of caught in the middle with like with everything that's going on, whether she's, you know, um, being you know, held at gunpoint by one character or, you know, being dragged along for the ride of around the world with another, you know. Um, yeah, I, I want to, I'd rather hear about it from the side of someone who is more of an initiator. Yeah, yeah. I, and golly, <laughs> do I initiate. Yeah. Through the forehead. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, that's the thing. I think, um, Tanya Lynn's character is the only human being in the entire piece. She just happens to be dead for a couple hundred years. Exactly. Because, um, uh, like, when you think about what Tanya does, she she figures out the problem and she confronts the person who's responsible in an adult way. Mm -hmm. She comes up to Emma and is like, "I know you're doing this." You need to give back the things. If you can't give it back, then you have to go find it and fix your problem. And Emma, instead, my character, instead of responding in the the hum the the most humanist and humanitarian way, which is to be like, "Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. This is not the right way to do things," she goes full like, "Why don't I shoot this person in the face?" So like, it's. It's very interesting because I had to, as an actor, I had to get to that point really quickly mm -hmm. um, when we were recording it. And it sort of felt almost like falling down a well, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was on, you know, the moral high ground at the very top there and like, oh, no, you can trust this person. This person just wants everybody to be safe. They, she, she just wants everybody down in the basement because the tornado's coming. That's why she brings a gun into the situation, not because she thinks that she's about to get caught and thinks that she's going to need a gun down there. Right. And it's I, I, I don't think that Emma had those conscious thoughts, but I think that they were the thoughts that drove her and yeah it's it's very it's very interesting to go from the moral high ground to a murderer and then being forced you know out out into the tornado as a as a consequence of your actions and it is like i said it's always satisfying to see the victim not the victim the um villain get their druthers we're always we're loving when iago gets stuck through with a sword <laughs> and i kind of really loved that emma got the really bad end that she got because it's it might not have been 
consciously her fault, mm-hmm. but it was her fault. And it may not seem like your fault, but when you hurt somebody else, it is your responsibility. And and Emma couldn't take back what her responsibility was, so she had to face the really terrible consequences. And I it felt very satisfying, to, which is weird, because like as an actor, you never you're like not like yeah, my character's dead, but like you know, <laughs> yeah, you should be like. Uh, I'm sorry, you cut me out. Me? Where is my lines? Where's I'm, my trailer? Exactly. I'm just trying to go to grad school, man. And like, it's, <laughs> and I don't care if I stole your heirlooms and also all of my mom's heirlooms to do so. I'm trying to get to grad school because I'm the best. And it's, it is, it's interesting to play somebody who thinks that they're the humanitarian and who says the right words, but when the actions come to it, they actually do the worst possible thing <laughs> and gets to face the consequences for it. Like, you know, it, it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. That's, that was well, I, the whole thing going through my head. I want to, I want to thank you both because this has been uh, such a delight Aww. going through this entire journey and going back <laughs> and picking apart um, this really twisty uh, episode <laughs> we call Twister. Oh, that's the name of the show. Oh, golly. Uh, But you both were absolutely (laughs) fabulous. And thank you for bringing all that you did to these characters and to this story. Um, And I cannot wait for us to find another opportunity to jump into a whole other crazy world. Um, Hopefully here for April's The Cruelest Month Season 2. We will see. Um, But to that end, let's let's get to it. Um, Bridget, Lynn, uh, Plug, what's coming up for you, Lynn? What do you got going on? Where can uh, everybody tune in to season 11 of Robot Chicken? Where I, I I would love to tell you the characters, but then I'd get in trouble. So watch it, live it, love it, um, record it, tell your friends, throw a party. Um, but yeah, I do, I do three voices, maybe a, a couple more. I recorded some um, chorus roles. Well, I, I don't want to give away the episode, but yeah, Robot Chicken. It's my bread and butter. I love it. It's a great show and uh, should be releasing season 11 this fall. <laughs> and is there anywhere on social media people can find you for more info? Uh, www.lynnfaven.com. Boom. All right. And Bridget, what about you? <laughs> Anything you want to plug coming up? Uh, yeah, I, I do a weekly, uh, two weekly streaming shows, uh, on twitch.com, um, Fable 42. One of them is Monster of the Week. One of them is, uh, 5e D&D. If y'all are nerds like me, and I know you're nerds like me, don't pretend, (laughs) don't pretend. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am on there, uh, both, uh, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I believe that's 6 p.m uh pst uh and then also on fridays uh at i believe 5 p.m est um (laughs) all of my other cast members are gonna be like you got that wrong but it's okay um but yeah the and that's the monster of the week game um you can also find me on instagram at string underscore theories underscore if you like you know spooky embroideries and whatnot um but yeah and also bridgetcosgrove.com it's it's me (laughs) A while ago, all those headshots are old. Everybody's (laughs) streaming. You can find me on Twitter. I am MatthewKlein316 because I am the bottom line for everything. April's the cruelest month, alternate history, pro wrestling, comic books related, and right now a lot of sunset content from my location. 
uh, down here in the VIs. Uh, and stay tuned. We have more and more new content every single week coming up for April's The Cruelest Month. From John's Comics Corner to Heidi and Nora, Don't Know Nerd Things. New episodes are coming your way starting next week. We also have more main content for the next official episode of April's The Cruelest Month, The Earth Will Quake. Uh, written by Woo! John Rodney, directed by Kelly Monroe Johnston. So Fabulous cast. We get even more into the sort of uh, genre bending uh, that the season is progressing. You can find us on social media at uh, The Cruelest Month on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and for goodness sakes, don't be cruel. Yeah, please. Thank mm-hmm. you.